You are listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe preaching is best when experienced as part of the larger drama of God's people gathering. Something spiritually unique happens when God's people are together. We meet each Sunday to let the liturgy shape us, to hear preaching, and to take the Lord's Supper. And these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston-Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. My name is Ben Milner, I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you as well. And uh, I'm going to try something new, uh, which is to put a little light on my face, which may or may not work. Um, does that help at all? <clears throat> maybe, maybe it's just blinding you, I don't know. Um, maybe if I could... I noticed last week when Jonah preached that I could barely see anything um, of his face. So uh, I don't know if this helps at all, but we can keep working on this, having a little bit of light up here. But um, we are doing a sermon series um, in Advent on uh, Jesus as the, uh, the long-awaited prophet, priest, and king. And uh, especially in the book of Isaiah, uh, the way that in the book of Isaiah, there's this longing, this, this deep hope uh, for this coming Messiah who would hold all three offices uh, of Israel. It was, it was very odd. Um, there, was a king, there was a kingly office, there was a prophetic office, and there was a priestly office, and all three are very different. And then the Messiah comes and he brings all three together. Um, so he was the hope of Israel. And um, I don't know about you, but after, um, in 2021, it was kind of a new hope a lot of people had. And uh, we were hoping that there would be more unity in our country. Uh, they would be restored, uh, that, that COVID would go away, uh, the masks came off for a while, we, we had hoped the economy would bounce back, and, and then not so much, right? We had vaccine debates that we didn't expect, that, was, that were maybe even fiercer than the mask debates. We had uh, Delta vir- variant come through, Omicron now coming through, we have these shootings, uh, the economy is not doing well, and so um, it leaves a lot of people with a lot of fear and anxiety, uh, which would have been nothing compared to what Isaiah would have felt in his day because the Assyrian nation was coming down, uh, the economy was collapsing, uh, the king was threatened, he was going to be overturned soon. And, and Isaiah gives us a bigger hope than America or Israel uh, could have ever had. Uh, the horizon line for the hope of the Messiah goes way beyond the, the, um, the economy, uh, way beyond covid you know, way beyond America. I mean, the horizon line for the church's hope uh, is infinite, uh, stretching into eternity. Even nature, we believe that nature itself, which is groaning right now, <clears throat> subjected to futility, that nature herself will be restored. And these trees, these very trees and these rocks will cry out with joy and sing to God. So we have this huge hope. And Jonah talked about last week how the hope was this king that Isaiah in Isaiah in Isaiah nine he he saw this king that was coming, and actually we read about him uh, when Cooper was doing the liturgy 
uh, we talked a little bit more about the king. So in Isaiah 11, he fills out more about what the king is going to be like. Uh, and then today, this is the uh, quintessential passage of the prophetic nature of this Messiah. The Messiah, again, he's the prophet, the priest, and the king. We'll look at the priestly office next week. Uh, but <clears throat> today is the prophetic office. And we see two things. Number one, uh, he's going to be a truth teller. That's what prophets do. They tell the truth. They're poetic. They use words. They use beautiful words. Like Isaiah himself, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And then the second thing that prophets do is they liberate people from their bondage by the words of truth that they speak. So um, Isaiah waited 600 years for this Messiah that he saw, and we've been waiting 2,000 years for him to come back, right? So Advent is the season for waiting. Uh, we are waiting for the return of the great prophet. So first of all, the truth teller. Um, think about the prophet Nathan. If you know the story of David, uh, he uh, basically takes another man's wife, sexually assaults her, uh, impregnates her, tells um, people that it's uh, somebody else's child, tries to act like it's the guy's uh, child, the husband of the woman, Bathsheba, has Uriah killed, all this mess. And then the prophet Nathan comes and he tells him a parable. And he says, after the parable, he says, you are the man in the parable. He confronts the king. And that's what a prophet did. A prophet came and confronted power. He spoke to power. <clears throat> we see the same thing with the prophet Elijah. He confronts uh, Ahab for marrying Jezebel um, and for basically leading Israel into idolatry. We see the same thing with Isaiah. He confronts Ahaz, the king who was relying on Egypt for all the political hope of Israel. Uh, John the Baptist is another prophet. And, uh, and he, of course, he confronts King Herod uh, for marrying his, uh, essentially his niece, Herodias. So um, this is what prophets did. They would confront, they would speak truth to power. They were truth tellers. And <clears throat> they always confronted kings. So what makes this prophet very unusual is that he is the king. That this is a man where both the prophetic and the kingly offices come together. Uh, Isaiah 9 was about his kingship. In Isaiah 42, it says, uh, I will give you a light. I will give you this man as a light for the nations. Light is made of photons. This man will speak with such truth, it'll be like photons coming out of his mouth and just piercing people. Just speaking right into people's hearts. So um, Isaiah 42 says he's not just a king, he's a prophet. And actually, uh, all of Isaiah 40 through 53, um, all the way actually to the end, stretching to the very end, they're about this man who's called the servant. Very mysterious figure. Uh, there's actually four songs of the servant. And uh, nobody quite knows exactly who the servant is in Isaiah's day. In some passages, it looks like he's Israel. In other passages, it looks like he's this, this man, this separate, identifiable man. And most scholars think he's both. He is Israel kind of incarnate. He is the one who represented Israel. He is the great Israelite. And so Isaiah sees this murky image of this servant called the servant. And this servant is um, a fuller representation of what Isaiah saw in Isaiah 9. So if you kind of imagine a backlit silhouette, you know, of like a superstar coming to an arena like LeBron James or Ubano coming on stage and kind of smoke-filled arena with his backlit silhouette. Isaiah saw like something 
And now this, this person kind of walks farther into the light and you see more about this person and it is not just a king, it is a prophet. This, this, this Messiah is so odd, this combination of these two things. A mighty king uh, who speaks like a poet. I thought about, um, you know, in the Lion King, Mufasa, the king, uh, speaks these beautiful words. He's a very powerful king, but he also speaks beautiful words to his son, uh, Simba. And uh, I thought about Aslan, if you know the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, the great lion, Aslan, who's, who's clearly a king, a symbol of the king. Uh, but he's also a prophet. He's a, he's a truth teller. Uh, there's one time when Lucy um, and Susan are kind of upset with each other, the two daughters. Um, and he tells Lucy, you know, don't be upset about your sister. He says, I'm telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one's story but their own. So just the wisdom of this lion who's both so powerful and so prophetic at the same time. I think that's what we long for. <clears throat> we long for a a president or a king or a ruler or someone who's going to be both powerful and also piercing and beautiful in their words. And so if you're discouraged by, you know, the political discourse of our country right now, just know that there is one who is this mighty king who also speaks beautiful words. So we worship a king who said things like, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap nor store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father cares for them. Why would you be afraid when you're worth so much more than ravens? Now we worship a king who said, what profit does it, what, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and lose his soul? I mean, a, a king who speaks like that. Don't you long for that? I mean, that is the hope that we have as a king who said, I did not call to come the righteous but sinners to repentance. A king that said, it is not the sick who need a doctor, but those who are, it's not the people who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. We worship a king who said, uh, he who is without sin cast the first stone. So this is both a prophet and a king, a royal prophet. And that last quote is particularly prophetic where he tells this woman caught in adultery who's about to be stoned by all these men. He says to her, um, he says to them who are about to stone her, any of you who has no sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Uh, he, the prophets always defended those who are in need. They always defended those who are weak. And so it says in verse 3 that <clears throat> this prophet, a bruised reed he will not break. Imagine like a, a stalk of a flower that's about to break. Uh, he's so gentle that he will not break that bruised reed. And then it also says a, a faintly burning wick like these candles here, you know, he will not quench out the faintly burning wick because he's so gentle. He protects those who are in need. That's what prophets do. And we have a king who does that. It also says that um, he will not cry aloud or lift his voice or make it heard in the street in verse two. And I love that, that we don't have a self-promoting prophet. Next time you see a self-promoting pastor or a pastor that's always putting other people down, um, this is not the nature of our, our prophet. The prophet Jesus uh, does not need to cry aloud. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He didn't run around promoting himself. He didn't even need to make his voice heard in the street. He was a humble, <clears throat> self-effacing prophet. He was also a king. And I'm telling you this about him so that I can, 
I want your hope to be stirred that there is a man like this who is alive today and who rules the world. And, um, and that whatever is wrong in your life, this man does exist. And uh, this is a man who does not promote himself. This is a man who does not uh, break a bruised reed. And God wants Isaiah to know in his day, I'm not making this stuff up. This person's coming. This is for real. You can have 100% confidence. Believe it now before it happens. This is the time to believe it. He says in verse 9, new things I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you. And sure enough, 600 years after Isaiah wrote these words, this man shows up, this, um, this young 33-year-old man uh, shows up at his synagogue in Nazareth. It's a very dramatic scene in Luke chapter 4. And, uh, and Jesus goes up to preach the sermon that day in the synagogue. And it says that he found the, the scroll of Isaiah. He unrolled it to chapter 42. And it says... Uh, he read, the, this is Luke 4.18, he, he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. So imagine this young man, this carpenter goes up there, he reads that passage, he rolls up, he rolls up the scroll, scroll, he hands it to the attendant, uh, everybody sits down, he looks around the audience, and he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Basically saying, I am that servant. I am the great prophet. This young man, this humble carpenter. Um, that's the first point, is that we have a truth teller. Who's a light to the nations. Not just to Israel, but to all the nations. And his, his way of living, his mission statement, his directive, as we saw in Luke 18, uh, is to open the eyes of the blind, because he is a light. And to liberate the prisoners in darkness. Verse 7. To open the eyes of the blind and to bring the prisoners out of darkness. And can you imagine the awe that would have come upon that little synagogue gathered in Nazareth? It's like Isaiah saw these great mountains from a distance. And then the people of that synagogue were like right in front of El Capitan. They were right there. There he was. The great Messiah in front of their face. And he is a truth teller who sets people free. That's what he does. He set me free. He set probably almost all of you free from your darkness. That's what he does. He opens the eyes of the blind, verse 7, and he brings prisoners out of darkness. Now he does do that physically. So he literally healed a bunch of blind people. There was a man named Bartimaeus. He healed this man. He touched people's eyes. And when he touched their eyes, they literally gained their sight back. He also led prisoners out of prison. He uh, when Peter got put in prison, Jesus broke him out of jail. So he literally did these things, but more importantly, spiritually, uh, he did this all the time. He did this every day. He went out and he preached all the time. Um, he preached the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. He preached sermons in synagogues. He went from town to town, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, teaching in all the synagogues. He was always being this prophet. And he was fulfilling what Isaiah chapter 9 said the people walking in darkness have seen a great light he was bringing people out of their um, self-delusion out of their self-deception out of a, a life of lies a, a life of hiding and pretending that's what the prophet does and he still walks among us today and he and he liberates us from lies even now you know as you hear the sermon um, there is prophetic work being done by uh, the prophet of Isaiah. In John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as light. 
and whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He said himself, I am that light that Isaiah, I am the light that Isaiah was talking about, the light to the nations. And I bring people out of darkness. If you know the, the famous parable of uh, the, the cave, if you've read Plato, um, there were these people down in a cave who were chained uh, and they, they can't get out and they're looking at this wall that is just filled with illusions. All they see is shadows of things passing by. And then, um, you know, the, the great philosopher takes them out of the cave and shows them the sunlight. And that's what Jesus does. He brings us out of the cave of illusions, out of this world of lies, the empire of illusion. He brings us up, out. He shows us the sunlight of the King of Kings, of the Father in heaven. And the question is, are you walking in the light? Uh, are you availing yourself of the, of the prophet's mission statement, which is to bring us out of darkness and to shine on us and open the eyes of the blind, the spiritually blind. Are you walking the light or, or are you remaining in darkness? Because you can't say, uh, you cannot say there is no help for me. You, you cannot say there is, there is no one that can help me because there is one that can help you. If you turn to this man, this prophet, he will liberate you. If he, he allows you to walk in the light. Uh, there was a young man named John who was this... Um, you know, bottled up, hidden teenager who couldn't express himself. And, uh, and he met this rabbi, Jesus. And then after he met Jesus, he wrote this beautiful statement in 1 John 1, 8. Uh, John wrote, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. Think about what he's saying. If you, if you pretend like you're fine and you're good and you got no problems and you're not broken and uh, there's no pain, uh, there's no grief, there's no hurt, uh, there's no sin. If you pretend to be that way, uh, you're deceiving yourself. You're, you're simply deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. But if we actually come into the light and tell people about what's going on in our lives, John says we can have fellowship with one another like I had with Peter and James and Andrew. You know, I had fellowship with these brothers because we shared our sin with one another. And as we shared our, our lives with one another, the blood of the Messiah kept cleansing us from our sins over and over. So the question is, are you hiding or do you know the prophet? You know, are you pretending to be someone you're not or something you're not? Or are you offering people your true bewilderment and confusion about life. Uh, my daughter, who is uh, very much uh, lives in the spirit of Christ um, in terms of, uh, she is a truth teller. And she sent me this text Tuesday. It says, um, addictions are safe little deadly hiding places where sensitive people retreat from love and pain. No one can touch us there. So we feel protected. But since love and pain are the only things that grow us, we start dying as soon as we hide. You know, that's not just true of addictions, is it? That's true of all the sins that we cover up. And the prophet says, um, I am here to bring you out of that darkness, to, to bring you out of that hiding place where you go because there's so much pain and grief and hurt. And one of the, the kindest things we can do for a friend is to if we see something in their life where it's clear that they're not telling something that they need to tell, for us to go to them and somehow very gently, without breaking the bruise reed, 
you know, without quenching them out, without being harsh, you know, saying something like, I haven't seen you in a while, there's something going on, you don't seem like yourself, whatever it is, I don't know how you say it, but um, I think sometimes the spirit will tell us what to say, but it takes courage to do that. But that is what the prophet offers us, to live like he did, to, to share light. The great King David, who uh, did all those terrible things I said, where he you know, took Bathsheba, he killed her husband Uriah. Um, that same king, when, da- when Nathan came to him and said, you are the man, uh, that king repented. King David, he realized that it was truly the fact that he was the man. And, um, and so after many, many months of hiding this stuff and covering this up, this is what he wrote. This is Psalm 32. He said, uh, when I kept silent, when I didn't tell anybody what was going on, when I tried to pretend like I didn't do those things, my bones, this is Psalm 32, 1, my bones wasted away all day long through my groaning. He was hiding. He was groaning. He felt weak. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me, like God was just pressing down on him. If you are walking in darkness and not confessing things, you will feel weighed down by the merciful hand of God. Day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. That's what it looks like to not walk in the light of the prophet. But then we have this table and uh, just light shining all over this table. If you come to the table, you come to a place where it's like this burst of light. Remember, we love these rascals.